Two ogres walk into Czechoslovakia intent on eating everyone in sight. All the people flee except the brave king who says, Be gone, devils! The two ogres each grab the Czechoslovakian king by one leg and say, Make a wish. And thus they became the first couple that went out to eat and split the Czech. True story. Now when Belgians go out to dinner and the bill arrives, they pour over it like the government accounting office. They figure out exactly what each person owes, and then they pay that amount to the penny. This has given Belgians the reputation as the cheapest people in Europe. But I applaud them because I am considered the Belgium of my circle of friends. In America, we have no plan at all for when the bill comes. It seems to catch us by surprise every time. Often we'll try to split the check evenly, but just as you're about to pay, someone says, I didn't have dessert, I should pay less. Someone else points out, Yeah, but you had six drinks and the rest of us only had four. It was a lovely dinner, but it ends in chaos and hostility. And, and this, this is, is why, why communism, communism will, will never, never work. work. The problems arise even if it's just two people. If you invite me out to dinner, shouldn't you pay? When I eat at your house, you don't charge me for the ingredients. Even if it's takeout, even if it's pizza, you don't charge your guest. But the same food in a restaurant, everything's up for grabs. When the bill comes, if I offer to pay, you might get offended. Hey, I asked you out. What do you think I am, a cheapskate? But if I don't offer to pay, you probably think, Thanks for nothing, you Belgian bastard. This is why I've spent every restaurant meal of my adult life dreading the moment when the bill comes. I know this will be shocking to you, but life is simpler when you're a billionaire. Take my good friend, the magician David Copperfield. <laughs> Excuse me, I dropped something. A name. Whenever people go out to dinner with David Copperfield, everyone expects him to pick up the check. It is one of David's greatest tricks. When the bill comes, everyone's wallets and sense of responsibility disappear. So I vowed the next time I went out to eat with him, I'd pick up the check. My resolve wavered when he told me we were going to the most expensive sushi restaurant in New York. Also, he was bringing along a friend of his, a very famous singer. It's not Celine Dion, but let's say it was. So now I would be picking up the check for two billionaires. I was fine with this until not Celine Dion got hold of the waiter. She personally ordered enough sushi to cater a large wedding. And she ate it all too, swallowing an ocean of fish like a thresher shark, joylessly and without chewing. The bill would be coming soon and the meal would cost about the same as a new helicopter. And that's when I did something I'm not proud of. I excused myself to use the bathroom, then I ran out of the restaurant straight down 58th Street, not stopping till I reached the Hudson River. A happy postscript. I did pick up the check at my next meal with David Copperfield. It was at Del Taco. My neurosis about who pays for what reached epic proportions recently. It was on a trip to Spain with a guy named Jerry Dawes. We met Jerry at a dinner party. He was a robust older man, a Hemingway who'd made it to his late 70s. If Ernest Hemingway had shot himself but missed, he'd be Jerry Dawes. 
The man had some job involving Spanish wines, and he told us, Nobody, but nobody can show you Spain like I can. I think it was an offhand boast, but my wife took it as a rock-solid invitation. She began emailing Jerry, a man we had just met, asking him when he could show us Spain. Do you want to go next month? We're open this week. How's tomorrow sound? We're free today. Does yesterday work for you? This is the approach she used to get me to marry her, and it worked on Jerry, too. He sent us a detailed itinerary. It went on and on and on in a folksy, informative way, like Mark Twain being paid by the word. We scanned it quickly and agreed to spend two weeks crossing Spain in a van with a guy we barely knew. I was a little scared. Jerry was like one of those people who sounded mad all the time. You know, like Kirk Douglas, or George C. Scott, or my dad. Jerry seemed mad even when he was really happy. Damn, these are good eggs. I tried to get to know him, but it wasn't easy. I asked, Jerry, what exactly do you do for a living? Oh, you, you know, a little of this, a little of that. Okay. I tried something simpler. I asked him where he lived. Well, now, Mike, that's not an easy question to answer. Well, yes, it is. What's on your driver's license? Where do you get mail? Where do you keep your stuff? And where did you get that accent? Oklahoma? Texas? Illinois. Illinois? I'm from Southern Illinois. That's the way we talk down there. Well, no, it isn't. I know someone from Southern Illinois, and he talks nothing like that. It's my friend, Better Call Saul star, Bob Odenkirk. I began to think Jerry was what my father would call a bullshit artist. This is one of those great phrases from World War II that really packs a punch. Jerry didn't tell lies. Anyone can do that. He raised lying to a fine art form. He was the Picasso of Poppycock, the Hieronymus Bosch of Bosch, the Jackson Pollock of Bollocks. Mind you, this doesn't make him a fraud. You can be a very successful person and still be a bullshit artist. Take Donald Trump. There's much he can legitimately brag about. He's rich. He's famous. He was president of the United States. He banged a porn star. But still, he insists on lying. Yes, of course I was president of the United States. But did you also know I could breathe underwater and I could eat 50 hot dogs and I'm Batman? Jerry, it turns out, had the perfect job for a bullshit artist. He was a wine critic, and he seemed to know every vintner and restaurateur in Spain. Still, like every food enthusiast, he insisted that everything we tasted was the best in the world. Have you ever eaten a better cockle? That is the finest cockle I ever had in my mouth. Is this the best bread you ever had in your life? It's in a 10,000-way tie for first place. This is acorn-fed pig. Can't you taste the acorns? Why would I want to taste acorns? Well, you'll never find fresher mussels than these. I just saw the chef taking them out of a can. Isn't that the best shrimp you've ever had? Actually, that was the worst shrimp I ever had in my life. Yeah, it's great. There are parts of Spain that seem to come right out of The Hobbit. There's Antonio Gaudi's fairy tale architecture in Barcelona. In the Prado, Spain's National Museum, there are five paintings of dwarfs. Three by Velasquez. And these are not cute Disney dwarfs. They're glowering Peter Dinklage types. Little people who could kick your ass. There's even a whole city called Bilbo. Okay, it's Bilbao, but it features a store that only sells two things. Vintage cars 
and garden gnomes. Crazy. And there's a little slice of the Shire in downtown Madrid. It's hidden inside a tiny hedge on the concrete plaza between two anonymous apartment blocks. You have to find the one small opening in the hedge and squeeze through it to reach a restaurant called Sasha. It's named for its owner, a hobbit-shaped man with a bushy beard, a bald head, and a big round belly. I asked for a menu, but Jerry told me Sasha would choose for us. And a succession of strange dishes came to our table. Raw tuna served on top of a giant tin can, marinated lobster in a ceramic ashtray, and a hollowed-out bowling ball filled with fried fish. As a side dish, and I'm not making this up, was mayonnaise made from fish faces. Enjoying that fish face mayonnaise? It tastes like nothing. It has absolutely no flavor. It was past midnight when the last dish came out. Scrambled eggs on a salad plate. Sasha had clearly run out of weird foods and crazy ways to serve them. It was an amazing meal, but all I could think about was the cost. I watched this endless progression of dishes, my mind clicking like a taxi meter. But there was no way to gauge the price of anything. Earlier in the day, Jerry had ordered a huge platter of stuffed mushrooms for $3 and a whole cooked fish, which cost $300. Jerry sensed my concern and cackled. Sasha loves me. He made compass this whole meal. We got up to leave. Sasha gave Jerry a warm, hobbity hug. Then he gave me the bill. And this raised an issue that had been festering for two days. I'd been paying for everything. Not just our expenses, but Jerry's too. His wine, his meals, his taxis. I was his David Copperfield. It was like having a second wife, one with rich tastes and a drinking problem. By the way, this describes many second wives I know. <laughs> Meow. The next morning, I said, Jerry, we have to settle up some bills. He replied, You're damn right. You haven't been paying for my hotels. Your hotels? Why should I pay for your hotels? And Jerry, who always sounded kind of mad, got really mad. It was like that scene in modern westerns where the friendly Texas sheriff suddenly becomes scary and sadistic. Like Gene Hackman in Unforgiven. Or, by all accounts, Gene Hackman in real life. Why do you think I'm taking you on this tour? Do you think I'm doing it for my health? A quick look at Jerry showed he didn't do anything for his health. I said, if you wanted us to pay your bills, you should have told us in advance. I did. It's in the itinerary I sent you. Didn't you read it? Uh, frankly, no. Denise pulled up Jerry's initial email on her phone. And there it was, in plain English, 6,000 words into the 10,000-word document. Mike Reese will pay all of Jerry Dawes' expenses in exchange for his services. The trip was like college. It would have gone much better if I'd done the required reading. And I realized there's a third category of people. There are employees, there are friends, and then there are friends you pay money to. I call them PayPal's. Jerry was my PayPal. Sasha was his PayPal. Once the ground rules were established, I could relax. I paid Jerry's bills, and he gave us one of the greatest vacations of our lives. He showed us gorgeous towns like Aro and Burgos, places we'd never heard of, places we'd never have seen without him. 
We visited Madrid's Capa Sassena, the only store in the world that sells capes and nothing but capes. Thousand dollar capes. We dined like Roman emperors on wild boar and quail and fish cheeks. And yes, they were the best fish cheeks I ever had in my life. We ate razor clams and gooseneck barnacles, cuttlefish and sea urchins in quantities that would stagger even not Celine Dion. And we drank. Wine was Jerry's business. He was like a workaholic, only with alcohol. If only there was a word for that. Jerry taught me so much about wine, all of which I forgot because I was drunk. Mostly I learned that wine can be a breakfast drink. We toured 500-year-old wine cellars. We drank an 88-year-old bottle of wine that was covered an inch thick with cobwebs and mold. It looked disgusting and tasted delicious. And we met the most hobbitish man in all of Spain, a vintner who actually lived in a giant wine barrel. It looked pretty cozy and was larger than my first apartment in New York. The vintner was getting married soon and planned to add a second barrel. <laughs> no, I'm not making any of this up. We were drinking so much we decided it would be safer to hire a driver. However, at every winery we visited, our driver got drunk too. It sort of defeated the purpose. Best of all, the wine was always free and the meals often were. Why? Because Jerry had friends everywhere. And not just in Spain. His real-life pals include Bill Clinton, James Earl Jones, and me, I hope. Jerry said there's lots more in Spain he could show us. Do you want to go next month? We're open this week. How's tomorrow sound? We're free today. Does yesterday work for you? Jerry started out as a PayPal, but he became something more. He became a friend. A friend-ployee. What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by me, Josh Perillo, featuring Denise Reese as herself and Jerry Dawes as a cruel burlesque of himself. Additional voices by Trevor Morris, Mike's funny doorman. For lots more information on Spanish wine and travel, check out Sunset in a Glass by Jerry Dawes, available on Amazon and wherever you buy your books, which is probably Amazon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.